Pickaxe. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Triforce podcast. This is the last one for the summer, right, boys? Is that oh, right? Yeah. It's like the big. It's like the big summer uh, blowout. This this one. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm basically not in the in the UK for like a month. Wow. So, God. Yeah. yeah. So crazy. and it's hard to it's hard to link up when people are away and stuff like that. So the big summer blow off. Yeah. So we're just going <laughs> to kind just of gonna, like a fart, and also like a we're blowing off the fart. podcast for the next six weeks because Pflex <laughs> is going on holiday. Yeah. It's a very sexual um, start to the summer. Yeah. I'm here every week actually, and Sips, you're already going away a couple of weeks, but Pflex yeah. is the busy boy taking a proper summer holiday. Yeah, it's big busy boy yeah i'm sorry like some sort of happy teacher with lot time off making the most of it i mean i, I i'm not as busy as i'm not as busy as flax uh, like this this august and end of july but still pretty busy like when your kids are off from school you have to oh my god you have to do yeah. stuff right like if they're just sitting around all day at home honestly to me that's like the best but kids kids go stir crazy yeah, right they my, need to my be daughters, out like they, they come to me even now we got we they're like nine and six so they've had nearly you know bet- between them over a decade if you add together of experience playing with toys and finding stuff to do yeah. they're not short of things to do in the house 10 minutes aboard <laughs> and I, I i remember that as a kid looking at all my things and thinking oh god i'm bored like they only want to play your toys only seem fun when you can play with someone else like it, yeah, it's right, not yeah. often that you find a kid who will happily play with their toys all alone. I, I always did. I didn't mind because I'm weird. But but most people want to interact with other human beings, which is uh, weird. Do you, do you reckon it's more the fact that people want new stuff, though? People people yeah. people always want new stimulation, right? They want yeah, to be see something new and exciting. Like, like I've got all these games on my Steam library. I'm sure some of them I'm like would be really good to play and also like on youtube channels that i watch and and books that i've got but they're not new like for example i don't know like a new book comes out and i'm like oh this is new and exciting and you know it's it's new i don't know but when you talk to people about it, you're like oh did you, did you read the new book oh yeah blah 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 i don't know it feels like if you're talking about oh did you see that movie from five years ago they're like we only watching that now what have you been doing it's like i don't know it's automatically got this like weird stigma attached to it and it it's just weirdly negative. The other thing about new stuff is that you can almost guarantee that you haven't seen it before as well. Like, True. It's weird that I've watched so much stuff and I feel like I maybe just, this might be just me getting old and forgetful, but I don't know what episode or what series of half these series I'm up to. I'm like, have I watched all of Better Call Saul? Have I watched all of like Arrested Development? Like, where yeah. am I? Where How how much South Park did I watch? Like, you got to watch like the last 10 minutes of the last episode of the last season and be like, oh yeah, I did watch this. I remember now. I see. That, that's my problem with that, um, that is. the new Red Rising book. I still haven't read it. No, me neither. I, I started reading it and I was like, shit, I don't know any of these people. Yeah. Like I'm reading the, the cast list at the start describes all the people there's like three pages it's like Severo Obasa slash the <laughs> goblin howler husband to Victor and I was like should I know who Victor is I'm like I can't remember any of these people I'm like the daughter of Kavax and Niobe should I know them I've, I've just forgotten all of these characters I read those books so fast I just like absorbed them yeah yeah no, and Vic- now I'm trying Victor to start was it and I'm like, the, um, was the sister of the um, of that of that super bitch um, what was her name again um, <laughs> it's always a super was, bitch she was she she was a super bitch though. Remember her um her her mum was like the big trade um Ambassador. tycoon mogul. Yeah, like person. I remember yeah. this, but the names are gone. Like my, yeah. my buddy can remember every name of every character and he'll say to me, Did you think so and so was blah blah when so and so did so and so to so and so? I'm like, Jesus, but I don't remember any of those I mean, guys. okay, first of all, like a few things. Like one of them, like is that are you going to do this for Bodega, right? Because it's been a while since Bodega was on the podcast. Yeah, the that doesn't book, bode well for old Bodega. There's going to be. Are you be... going to have like a character list at the start? You know, just to, no. as a recap. Are you going to do like a prologue? You know, that's that's one question, right? Which we'll leave hanging. Second question is like, so to what extent? I thought all new books when they come out were supposed to be. Um, you weren't supposed to have read the last. Sometimes it takes like two or three years between books, right? So yeah. you, you can't. I can't remember what happened yesterday, let alone two or three years ago when I read the I book. Didn't, you know what? I didn't have that problem with um, with the Game of Thrones series of books, though. Like I, I read, I read a couple of them, 
and then I had to wait for like some of the some of the newer ones to come out. And I, I never had that problem with like the character names or anything. I think it just I came think back the, to you. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I don't know what it was. Maybe I was just because I was really into it. I really enjoyed reading them. I wonder if it's because the, the characters are more more memorable or at least more yeah. more kind of. I think it's good writing as well. What one of the things that you don't notice when you're reading a book is they recap stuff in a very subtle way. Yeah. So if a character hasn't appeared for a few chapters, they'll drop in a little reminder, but they won't say in brackets, you remember him from two chapters ago, kids, yeah. you know, it's more subtle. So they'll mention something they're wearing or they'll remind you of something they're doing in a subtle way. So you go, oh, yes, yeah, that guy. And I think it, it, you, you got you to gotta tuck those in there. I love the format of a, a chapter being devoted to a character, though. Uh, and I think that that helped sort of really build up the characters. You know, yeah. like Red, Red Rising also the names are good. pretty cool character development, but it was character development for just a couple of characters right yeah the, the other the other characters didn't change much but like they like they played their parts and stuff it but was all game very thrones, much around darrow wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Like it was all- but it, like in in like the game of thrones series the um the characters all developed a lot didn't they like there was mm. there's a ton of character development for all of like the really big characters so this this actually happened to be twice um this week so when i was reading finally reading oathbringer which is the latest Stormlight Archive, Brandon Sanderson. So it's the one that Smith got in contact with the author on Twitter and he sent us a load of early books and they were hanging around the office and I was quite angry because I didn't get one. And then I noticed that <laughs> there was one on the shelf that no one had actually, someone had obviously not bothered to read. So I've been t- I took that home and I was reading it. And first thing, I've, I first thing says, I, I realised I didn't remember any of the characters at all because it's been ages, it's been like two years. And, and I couldn't remember anything that had happened either. I was like, what is going on? And I said, talked to Smith about it and he said, I, just, I, I was the same, just push through it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I, I pushed through it and actually I'm okay now. Um, because I think that each sometimes these authors do have to write these new books with that in mind that someone it might be reading them for the first time. And sometimes I struggle when I read a new book or, or it's like a third or fourth book of the series in a line. I struggle getting through those early chapters because it's a little bit rehashing stuff. And I'm like, oh, this must be in here for the people who are, for some reason, picking up book four of the series without reading any of the others. But then I realized it must be because, you know, you might these might be just delayed. You might just be just delayed on this. And, and it's an important part. And the other thing that happened was I watched started watching the new series of Westworld. And I couldn't fucking hardly remember... I, well, first of all, what Westworld Series One was even about, <laughs> and like, and and any other anything really, and I, I and a lot of people look kind of the same. Anyway, I was a little bit like confused by the whole thing, so I went online. They do lots of flashbacks in in Westworld, but cleverly, like it's so not like a classic thing. I'll do is I will, I will, and a lot of people do this is they'll look up a Reddit thread or um, a Wikipedia article for the book or something, and it will have like a, a prologue written, not a prologue, like um, a synopsis written of the book, and it'll be like this happened to this guy, like a kind of blow by blow a few paragraphs so i read through that of westworld and i was like i still don't really understand what's going on and then i i've watched this um alt shift x video so this is this guy who does like uh re- like he used to do game of thrones ones every time a game of thrones episode it would be like an episode analysis right and i guess for all the people who didn't watch game of thrones or didn't really understand it or 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 just wanted to know what had happened so they could talk to people around the water cooler about it you know they could they could watch and catch up and he did a really good like season one of westworld synopsis and it was like so eye-opening for me like for me like i was like oh my god i I didn't understand any of this show i didn't really watch it i don't know if all of his stuff is bollocks and he's just lying or or it's just speculation it's like in english where you massively overanalyze like a book to the point where like it doesn't it's like oh yes the reason that he put in this soliloquy here is because it represents the frame <laughs> the fragile frame of mind as his mind washes away to a distant place it's it's like it's all bollocks but but no i really enjoyed it and it actually enhanced it for me as opposed to ruining it and then i've so i started watching the second series but he's done a little a, a little analysis for every episode so i watched like an hour of westworld then i watched like 20 minutes of the analysis but it oh also God. means i could be more lazy with my westworld watching so like because normally i don't really want to pay attention to it I, I kind of am doing something else at the same time like playing hearthstone or something or on my phone so it means that I could kind of, it takes longer to watch. So it's like an hour and a half of TV rather than an hour of TV. But I don't have to pay attention for the whole hour. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Mm. It's, it's madness. So that's what I'm currently doing. That's what I've spent this week doing. Reading this 
struggling through this book and struggling through Westworld. But I feel like I've been at school a little bit with both of them. I've like had to do my research. <laughs> had to like Damn. work to get oh through. Oh my them. god. I've been I've been watching, okay, Tuesday nights on BBC Two are fucking amazing, by the way. Holy shit. Right. Like it's unbelievable. There's so you're this, watching uh, terrestrial uh, TV. Like live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like wow. live terrestrial TV. Who does that? What year is this? Man, you gotta okay, well listen, there's this one show. It's an hour long, okay? It starts at eight o'clock on BBC Two on a Tuesday. Okay, and the show is called Inside the Factory, and it's fucking amazing, okay? Last, on Tuesday, like a couple days ago, the episode was about a toilet paper factory, and you, it, it's insane how much toilet paper they make and the process that the toilet paper goes through to be made and stuff. It, it's nuts. So it shows you like a, it shows you a factory and how they, they, they make something from start to finish. So like next week, I think it's like a, like a meat processing plant. They're going to show like how, like, you know, they make a million, you know, sausages. processed hot dogs or sausages a day or whatever. And then previous ones, they had coffee. The coffee one was pretty interesting. Like it shows, oh shows you like how they get the, the beans in raw and then what they do to them. This sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. There was like this huge freezer that the coffee goes through and then it, it forms like a sheet of very thin, solid, frozen coffee, right? But it's like it's like freeze dried. So like then a it's chocolate, it, like a like a frozen like yeah, a cold yeah, yeah, chocolate bar. Yeah, but it's like super it's like minus sixty or something. It goes through like the whole part of the factory that's frozen and it freezes into this sheet. And then they um, smash it up into like little granules and then they evaporate all of the like the moisture out so that there's no, you know, because it's like frozen or whatever. Uh, and then they put it into the then they put it into like because it's like instant coffee, right? It's just like like Nabob or like Nest Cafe or whatever stuff. Um, and then they put it into the jar, but it doesn't smell like anything because it's like all freeze dried, you know, like ready to go to the moon coffee, like, uh, you know, instant coffee. So they have this huge cylinder that has the aroma of the beans originally from when they roasted it. And they so they capture the aroma inside this huge this huge canister. And then before they seal the um, the can of, of instant coffee up to, to be like, you know, ready for to, to sell or whatever, they just like blast a little like puff of coffee aroma into the thing. So so Jesus. that when you open it, okay. it smells like coffee because otherwise weird, it wouldn't. Weirdly, it's that's like, amazing. That's weirdly reassuring, right? Because I, yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be much more like that, that aroma. I knew they pumped the smell in, but I thought that yeah. was, smell was just chemicals. Yeah, yeah. I mean? no, it's absolutely insane. And they have all these different roasters for like the different blends and stuff. And fuck me. It, and the factory is enormous. Like you're, it, like you're talking, this thing pumps out something insane, like 50,000 jars of instant coffee a day or something. So it's just like, it gets this massive shipment of beans in and then it's got this fucking whole goddamn room filled with roasters. And then it goes onto this belt and there's washed and oh fuck. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's such an interesting show. I, I highly recommend it. The toilet paper one, was nuts too. It was crazy. I, I remember you used to watch stuff on YouTube because there was a classic like um, show of like 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 kind of. It felt a little bit like um, that sh that that Japanese show where the marbles like roll down and stuff. Um, Pitagora Suichi, which is quite interesting. If you watch that, it's like um, like these Rube Goldberg oh, yeah. machines yeah. That, that just automatically do stuff. They're really interesting. But you sometimes there used to be all this stuff on YouTube. Of just marble runs and stuff. It's obviously it was obviously an actual show, and it would show how stuff was made. And man, like just it was so interesting and so like just for some reason I just really liked seeing the inside of factories that just like these these dumb machines. So I was walking around. It was the Bristol Harbour Festival at the weekend, and my parents and I walked around and had a nice time. And we walked around um, the old. Um, it's called Underfall Yard, which sounds like a terrifying kind of it sounds like something sounds like where a body was found yeah, world of warcraft sounds like a sherlock holmesian it sounds area like the undead where, starting area for yeah, world of warcraft would yeah. be murdered <laughs> but actually it was kind of like this area where they used to do a lot of canal maintenance and have a, this this sort of old school factory and so they, they have on the on the top of the the rooms they have these like spinning wheels with um with long like uh, joists like between them 
and and that's like the electricity basically so all of the machines that they used all the printing machines the stamping machines all these crazy machines were all powered by wheel this wheel um and it was obviously just this just belt driven stuff right so you'd have this these these these, these wheels on the top of the the room and what you do is you hook up a belt to one of those and it, you just like rather than running electrical cables you run like an actual rubber belt down onto this there's, machine. There's a model of that at the British Science Museum in London. Holy there's, crap. There's like a big, big working model in a glass box and you push a button and you can see like this loom is running off. And like you said, it's literally before they had electrical cables, you just tied on to some moving band and that provi- provided the, the energy that yeah. you needed. So it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like these wheels are spinning at the top of the room. And you yeah. just hook up your rubber band to them and power your machine, whatever Think machine you need to run. Think how many accidents there would have been I of know. people reaching up, like stretching, <laughs> just getting caught in the thing, They're zipping around the top of the room. It's got Tony! Tony! Go live! It's all is, caught up in the loom again! But in a sense, like, it was terrifyingly scary, but, but in a kind of approachable way, right? So this thing is, like, stamping fucking pieces of you know cast metal out of a plate or whatever like making coins basically it's like stamping coins it's it's this terrifying thing with this huge you can see see like oh my god if you put a hand in there it would just go straight through your hand if you if you like all those factory things yeah. can i recommend and this this goes for the the listeners at home um if you google this is hormel h-o-r-m-e-l <laughs> hormel is like a brand of um coffee they make meat and stuff like that is a 1965 Film. It's about a half hour long, made to show how everything is made in the Hormel factory. Oh, those are the yes. worst. It, it is tour. unbelievable. There's a guy like the guy smoking and saying like, "Yeah, we only use how the best cuts." Yeah, exactly. And there's literally like that bit in The Simpsons where they go, you know, it's always Troy McClure with Timmy or Jimmy. He goes, "Now to the killing floor, Jimmy." You know, and they show how they get the meat. It's just like that. It's got these two real funny, funky-looking young lads are like meet Billy and Tommy. Billy and Tommy want to know more about how chili is made here at Hormel. <laughs> well, Billy and Tommy, it's your lucky day. And they, sh- they, you know, it shows them all the hot dogs, like the hot dogs being plowed out of this machine, just like shooting out like missiles. People and manually wrapping them worried. and stuff. Yeah, all that kind of shit. It's like, now we can the chili. Pasteurized, of course, Jimmy. And Jimmy's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking we about. We don't use hairnets here because those are for <laughs> pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking over the production line is normal and encouraged. You know, it's literally that but it's it's fantastic if one of the sausages has a bit of dirt on it just use a bit of your spit and clean it up <laughs> stop being such a pussy rats are actually very nutritious jimmy oh if any God. rats fall into the blender that's uh, extra okay, well, dinner well listen i was still talking about tuesday night on bbc2 because sorry, it gets geez, better sorry. all right there's inside better. the Honestly, factory which is I fantastic i'm delighted with your recommendation and can all i right, just say listen nothing all right fine you carry okay on, you, you got to catch up though because you've missed a couple of inside the factories but crucially you've also missed two episodes of Possibly the best documentary I've ever seen in my entire life. It's incredible. It's so fucking interesting, okay? So I don't know if you've heard about this, but in London right now, I'm sure it's still happening right now, they are building a gigantic shit pipe underneath the Thames River, okay? They're they're excavating underneath the Thames River, okay? And the they're super building sewer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the super sewer. It costs five billion pounds to build this thing. Okay, five billion pounds. So the reason is, in the in in the Victorian times, uh, they had this huge problem with uh, sewage going out into the Thames, and there was an outbreak of cholera. Like thousands of people died. Um, there was like a big panic, and then basically Westminster turned around and said, "Well, fuck, we can't keep pumping shit into the Thames. It's going to kill everybody." Uh, we need a solution. So they got this like, you know, grand Victorian uh, engineer designer guy in and he designed a sewage system. Right. And it's all hand laid bricks. It's all, you know, this beautiful Victorian um, sewage system underneath the city. At the time when it was designed, it was to cater for two million people. Right. So the way that it worked was uh, it had it had pumps that pumped the sewage towards a, a like a processing plant, which was this other like beautiful Victorian building that had AKA the Hormel meat factory. But it, it pretty much the equivalent. OK, <laughs> um, but around that area, because because the entire sewage system of London is so overtaxed because there's now like nine million people living there. 
um, it, the way that the sewage system was designed was that it would process as much as it could and anything that it couldn't, instead of it overflowing up into the streets and killing everybody and making people sick and stuff, uh, the overflow was to go into the Thames, right? So every day the overflow is like hit instantly and all of uh, like all this shit is just going into the Thames again, right? Like it's like, like at an alarming rate. So they- But not, not like, not in the middle of London, like- it, it, it's probably no. dumping it further downstream. But I, I've been down uh, the Thames a little like, bit, yeah. on a boat, and it's not like it's just teeming with sewage. No, it's no, not. no, but it's it's pretty bad. Like, I mean, it's, it's a fairly large body of water, so like a lot of it will be like dispersed out and stuff. But there's there's a lot of junk in there, and, and basically oh, yeah. they, they can't they can't keep doing it the way that they are because it's just going to it's just going to start causing more and more problems. So they've got the super sewer going in. And um, the way that they've done it, because the, the, the current plant, the current processing plant is, is completely overburdened as well. It can't handle it. It's, you know, it was built like 150 years ago. And yeah. It just wasn't designed for the volumes of today sort of thing. And, this uh, modern shit is yeah, yeah, But the whole area just is like, it's, it's fucking disgusting. There's like, you know, like maxi pads and shit floating yeah. around in like the river. I mean, river these, these are things they didn't have to deal with back yeah, then. Like wet, wet wipes, wipes they've got nappies, wet wipes everywhere. Exactly, like, oh, it's that. so gross. So anyway, they've got this massive, massive plant um, on the other side, like, it, like the far east uh, end of London. They got like one of the biggest uh, sewage processing plants in Europe set up. But there's not not enough of the sewage system is is hooked up to it. So the idea is that this massive shit pipe is going to be underneath the Thames, and what it's going to do is it's going to take all of the overflow of like the you know 150 year old Victorian sewage system right. instead of dumping it into the river, right? So all this shit is going to travel down the shit pipe all along like underneath the Thames, and it's going to get to uh, this new processing station. But because it's so deep underground, like it's, you know, it's, it's below the Thames, right? It's like, it's, you know, fucking 50, it, it's, like, it's like 90 meters underground. It's like super fucking deep. So they have these massive, massive pumps that pump all of the shit like back up to the surface, basically, into this processing plant. Holy shit, guys. It's fucking amazing. Like it wow. is fucking awesome. It's such an interesting documentary. Like it shows you like some of the history stuff. It shows you all these guys just like busting their ass building stuff. It shows you like all these people in London who are just like, eh, I moved here 20 years ago and this is too noisy. And like and like Patrick Stewart's on it, like saying, like, we don't <laughs> agree with this pump. And like we all don't these, agree with there's this like a ton pump. of opposition to it. And they're oh my it's got everything. It's just like the best draw you've ever seen it's so wow. fucking good yeah it's really good i i can't remember the name of it though me and me and my wife just call it the shit pipe show but yeah um <laughs> i think Google it's that. called like the vi- five billion pound super sewer or something like that it's on bbc2 right, and there's, right. there's been two episodes so far and they've both been super fucking interesting i highly recommend it oh my god the engineering is incredible. Like, it's fucking crazy. Complete change of, of pace in terms of show, but I just finished watching The Staircase. I don't know if you guys have been oh, yeah, following yeah, yeah. that at all. No. On Netflix, yeah, yeah, I watched it all. So, yeah. that, that's like, um, I'm not going to give any spoilers away or anything like that, but basically, it's it follows this guy. He's accused of killing his wife. Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 it's more like, um, it's not like making a murderer, where you feel like it's such a grimy life that this guy leads anyway, and he's such a a nut and everything and the police obviously hate him this is more like when the police look at the evidence and come to a conclusion and that's the conclusion like you know or they even make the evidence come to the conclusion that they want and a lot of miss like not mistrial stuff but things that you think how is that not prejudicial like they just you know when when you get evidence for the prosecution you have to give it all to the defense as well so they have to see what you're going to... There's no, oh, and this is the knife! You know, they just appear with it sort of thing. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to use it in the court case, you have to show it to the, the opposition. And vice versa, the defense has to give everything to the, to the prosecution. So everybody gets a chance to look at the evidence and say... And, and to, to formulate a counter to it or to, to analyze it. Yeah, so, so the case is, this guy was outside with his wife by the pool. They're hanging out. They're having a few glasses of wine. She goes inside. He then comes inside and finds her dead at the foot of the stairs, blood everywhere. And her head's all like fucked up, and there's loads of lacerations and everything. The police arrive, they arrest him for murder. He's out on bail, and it's like the trial. So it's all the build up to the trial with all these lawyers and everything that they get in, you know, to, to defend him. He blows through a ton of money doing this. It's very expensive defending yourself like this. Um, and his family sort of stands by him and everything like that. And everything's going along, you know, you, you, you kind of, you're on this guy's side. He's a bit of a strange guy. 
But <clears throat> it seems like, you know, conceivable he didn't do it. But he could have done And then this bombshell comes out. He could have, but then the bombshell comes out that about 15 years previously, when he was living in Germany, another woman that he knew was found dead at the bottom of the stairs. And now the prosecution's like, oh shit, this guy's like, he's like the Bristol pusher, but with stairs, right? <laughs> so... The, the court, you know, the goes to trial and all the rest of it. But but there's there's so much evidence and you get to know the characters so well. This film crew, this French film crew followed him for like years over the course of this trial and everything afterwards and all the rest of it. But what I didn't realize until as soon as the show finished, I went and looked it up on Wikipedia and articles and stuff about it. And there's one theory that they didn't make a big deal about that his neighbor, who was also an attorney, came up with having looked at the evidence. One of the things that was found in the evidence sheet and this isn't a spoiler because it wasn't covered in the show, is possible attack by an owl or large bird of prey. And the, the evidence for it is, first of all, she was found with feathers. There was a couple of tiny feathers on her. And she had pine needles on her hands as if she'd fallen over outside before she'd gone inside. There was blood on the door as if she'd, went, as if she'd been attacked outside and then gone inside. And if you look at the lacerations on the back of her head, they show it all through the show, like this diagram of the lacerations. It's like in these two... This, this pair of, of three stripes, just like three claws. And apparently giant owls do attack people in that area. And I'm like, I guess the defense didn't go with it because on the one hand, you have the prosecution saying, this man clearly killed his wife. He's, a, he's got a double life as a bisexual, which he did, and all this kind of stuff. Or the defense saying, it was an owl. But I thought it was interesting that <laughs> I, I, it was there. It was a possible theory. Thing. I had no yeah, idea but, about that. Yeah, it was crazy. But so, it, so it's one of these shows, right, that Netflix has done, uh, partly because of the success, I think, of Making a Murder and these real yes, crime things, right? Absolutely. So you don't know whether he did it or not, because it's real, right? You don't know. Yeah, yeah. We're never going to know whether he did it or not, because, unless he confesses on his deathbed or, or doesn't. Who, who knows? Like, unless it's. But even you could take that with a pinch of salt. It's 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 one of these things where it hasn't, in sense, got a satisfying conclusion. You kind of have to make up your own mind, and and it's weirdly nice, but also I don't know, unsatisfying ultimately because you just sort of. I, I think it's it's also like making a murder is it's a window into the way the the justice system works, and it's interesting because I'm also reading a book called The Secret Bar Barrister, I think Secret or Hidden or or something Barrister. Which is, I don't know, I can't remember if I mentioned it on a previous podcast. It's about the, the British uh, justice system from the perspective of a barrister. And he, he talks about how the courts work and everything like that. And most of these guys, they, they have a very, very big sort of uh, attachment to the idea of justice. Whether you're prosecuting or defending, you, you want justice to be done in the, in the court of law. And that's why it's all laid out it's so structurally and so complicated. Is because after years and years, it's like an, the evolution of the law to this point where, you know, everybody should get a fair trial and this is obviously prejudicial, so you can't include it. And this precedent was an important one and it meant you can't do this and you can't do that and all the rest of it. But then the problem is into that system, you also put the police and people that make money from things the police do. So one of the things you have is these agencies that gather evidence and process it. They're private enterprises and the police come to them and say, can you please run through this evidence? We're looking for bloodstains that the killer should have on there. And a lot of the time, they want to give the police the right result that the police want. Not the just result, not the actual result, but the result they know the police want. And I think in both Making a Murderer and Staircase, you see that the police are so desperate to convict this guy because they don't want to say, oh, we got the wrong guy. Yeah, they yeah. want to nail this guy because yeah. they're given these targets. If you've got a case and you lose it, that's going to look real bad. And now the case is open. You've got to find who did it and all the rest of it. Yeah. If they find a guy that's close enough, they're like, fuck it. We're nailing it on this guy. And I want the evidence to show that. And they yeah. go and get people that will get them the evidence. And that motive is super bad. They're bizarrely stubborn. They are the very stubborn. that as well. Like they're like, they're, new stuff comes along and like you expect to be like, oh, like, like well, when you watch CSI, you know, people, they're, all, they're always like, this must be this quick. guy. And then some evidence yeah. comes along. They're like, actually, no, it must be this guy then. But with, the, with, the, with these cases, it seems with almost all of these cases, they get a target in mind and they get fixated and they cannot think it's possibly anyone else. Yeah, it's scary. And, and, and the, to the point where they give up investigating every other avenue yeah, and just I, focus on commit like just focus on everything that will convict this guy like to the point where they don't even want to start i know investigating other avenues because they think it might reveal something that that that, that, that causes more problems for them God, the way that it works though is that i think they they go with the with the with the simplest thing first 
because nine times out of ten, it, it that is what's happened. Like the simplest possible right. thing has happened. Right. The most likely person to kill yeah. their partner is the other person. Yeah. Right. It's like your, your husbands kill wives, wives kills husband. That's that's yeah. standard. And so their line of 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 investigating and questioning is around the, the motives behind that. And normally they can find those pretty quickly. They can find little cracks in the relationship or they can find little, you know, character flaws or things that they can use to convince a jury to say this person isn't who he's claiming to be. You know, he's he's claiming to be um, you know, the, the, like a a husband, but he's got a, like another life or, you know, like they'll they'll discredit him where they can to sort of paint this picture that, you know, quite simply this person had some motive to do this and and he's done it and that's the simple simple solution to this sort of thing. And you, do you know, do you know I what think, I think the, the weirdest thing about it all, though, is they put all this case together, they do all this work, both the, the defense and the prosecution, it's like years of work. And then basically they, they let 12 yahoos decide and they just get this fucking jury in there and these guys are looking bored out of their mind. They just want to go home. Yeah. And they've already made up their mind. Like more often than not, it's one piece of evidence that they just get stuck in their head. And you need to get it either your bit of evidence stuck in their head and or stop the other guys getting stuck in their head. Like that's it. Yeah. Like it almost always comes down to, well, I wasn't sure, but that one thing that see he said, that that was it for me. It's like, what, so you just make it up your own mind? You're not listening to the evidence? You hear a couple of things, you go, yeah, it probably did it. But it's like the, the whole point is, is if there's a beyond a reasonable doubt, I don't think the judge ever explains to people quite how doubtful you can be even a little bit of a doubt if it's reasonable don't convict the guy we don't want to send innocent people to prison no of and course I, that's my yeah. greatest fear is being convicted of something that i'm innocent for like if i if i'm guilty and you go to trial you have nothing to lose you have nothing to lose if you're innocent and you're at trial and you you have everything to lose Absolutely. and it could hinge on one person saying in the in the in the jury chambers you know what guys let's all go home let's get this over with i think he did it hands up who did it if they're a strong enough personality you're fucked yeah. Regardless of the evidence, it's terrifying. I, I think everyone who goes to sit on a jury should have to sit down for two hours and watch 12 Angry Men before <laughs> they do anything. I would genuinely rather be tried by just the judge and leave the jury out of it. I think it, the, I the think jury is an absolute gamble. I think it's the fairest system, but you're you're again you're depending on twelve people. Like you know, in the in the OJ trial, it went on for so fucking long, and these people were away from their families. And you know, at first it was a bit like, oh, this is fun. You know, we're in a hotel and stuff. We're on a jury for like this high profile case and stuff. But in the end, every single one of them was so fucking like pissed off at being there. They didn't want to be there they anymore. It went it on for too long yeah. and i think you lose your your like a bit of like your humanity and your compassion and stuff right because you you you're you're at a breaking point personally where you're just like i have i have to get out of but this I also fucking think situation that, that prosecutors count on that right sometimes well they and, do and, yeah and, and, and that's and, where and that's where it's it, that's where the system kind of in my opinion breaks down a little bit especially like the sort of like uh tampering of the jury as well you know like when they say they go through jury selection and then they reject somebody in the jury yeah, that's well, the like, weirdest what? thing like you 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 don't re you don't reject somebody from this system that's kind of fair because you want to profile and get somebody that you think is going to help your side more yeah that, it doesn't work that way like it's it's so stupid that they can do that in the first yeah, place that, that makes no but you sense. can understand why like you know they might if it's a black defendant or whatever they might want to get rid of that redneck hillbilly kind exactly. of you know, and, and, i can you know, understand it's, that it, it works both ways but it's stupid it shouldn't be allowed you know like it should just be randomly 12 people in you go here are the facts let's let's wrap this up yeah so here's here's a question for you sips you're you're on a train and there are 12 random people in that train carriage uh -huh. and they have to decide between them whether you go to prison or not. It's that crazy. Yeah. Like I, I'm on the public transport and I look around, I can't pick 12 people that I would trust <laughs> with, with potentially my well, life in prison exactly or my life it. of freedom. I think that watching these shows has made me think, holy shit, these juries. So sometimes you, you see little interviews with them and they ask the dumbest questions or say the dumbest things. It's like they're not bright. I mean, because here's not, where the and, jury, and, but here's where the jury gets selected from. People that have fuck all to do. You can yeah. get if you're smart and have a really good job. You can just say I can't do this because I'm a doctor or whatever, but or also, I'm a scientist. If you've uh, got how about a job, I'm just around the house all day, so fuck it. I don't want that guy deciding. But also, I want the doctors and the lawyers to decide. At the same time, if you're an actual, if you want an actual career, you can't say to your boss, "Oh, I need to take two months off." 
to well, potentially go and do a, a year for Jerry G. Yeah, exactly. Trial. Like, you know, you'll come back and they won't have a job anymore. All the smartest and the best people get out of jury duty. It's the dregs of society that sit on that bench. <laughs> <laughs> and they're the ones deciding. I'm, I'm terrified of going before any kind of trial. That's why I'm so careful not to do anything even remotely illegal because well, I mean, especially in America you get caught in the system they'll pin everything on you man I'm terrified whenever yeah. I get it and it does feel like for example a friend of mine was on jury duty relatively recently and also my mum was on jury duty relatively recently and they, they sort of had a good time and they said it was very boring there was a lot of waiting around a lot of reading books and stuff yeah, and, yeah. and it was very slow and very laborious and and, and it, it ended up, I think, the situation that my mum had was that they were very split down the middle on whether this guy had done it or not. And eventually, they agreed to just give him a me middle charge. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? How is that justice? Like, you know, he either did it or he didn't. You can't just say, you know, it's like, oh, he, he didn't. He either did a murder or he didn't. Ah, let's just give him an assault. It's like, well, <laughs> what do you mean? You can't just put I someone mean, into then, prison for, again, like, though, like half. You, you, you you gotta let you got you have to weigh it up. It's never like that clear cut, right? This could be somebody with no history whatsoever of violence or anything. You know, it could have been like a mistake. It could have just been like a you know bad judgment call or something. It's still breaking the law, but you can't you, you can't punish um, you can't punish somebody who isn't like a, a career criminal, if you like, in the same way that you you need to punish people who absolutely just belong in jail. Like they have no redeemable qualities for society whatsoever, right? You know, like these hardened, aggressive criminals that just spend their whole lives, you know, beating the shit out of people or, or just causing chaos when they're outside of jail. And then they go in jail and they do the same thing pretty much. You know what I mean? You can't you can't get you can't get like a, a guy who has a pr pocket protector and a 30 year career in in finance who accidentally, you know, ran over his wife or something and lock him up and put him in the same cage as as you know a guy that has spent the past 20 years jugging everybody in the jail <laughs> relentlessly because it, it it has the adverse effect right like that person is meant to go in and and think about what he's done and and try to better himself through that process or whatever if you put him into a uh, into a jail with you know all of these other assholes who don't care whether they're there or not sort of thing He's just going to come out like a traumatized, twisted human being, isn't he? He's already like, you know, broken the law and had to go to jail sort of thing. So like it's I don't think it's as clear cut as that. I think like sometimes when they give a medium sentence or, or whatever, there's probably a pretty good reason behind it. Right. But like, if they're like not sure, I would hope that they would realize that not sure is enough to acquit. Like if you're just not 100 percent, don't send someone to prison. Don't be like, ah. I'm not sure, so let's just give them 10 years. It's like, no, you should give them zero years. Yeah. Like, the, the idea of sending innocent people, or people who could really conceivably be innocent to jail because you're just not sure, is a terrible idea. It's a uh, well, terrible it, idea. But it happens fairly often. It's awful, often. but it ruins like, lives to these people. It's like, it oh, it's only 10. Because yeah. the thing is, if they say the maximum sentence is 80 years and you only give them 10, you're like, well, I've done them a favor. That's one eighth years. of the maximum. Oh my God. 10, Ten years in prison. Oh Imagine God. that. Your life but, is ruined. But of course, PFLEX, don't forget, there's always, there's always the alternative that they, you, they get off it and then they kill someone else, and then that ruins just as many lives. Like, you know, it's it's a very, very difficult subject. It's a very, very awkward situation to be in. No, you can't you can't go by that logic. Because that means what? that anyone in the in the in the dock for anything, you better not take a chance. Innocent yeah. until proven guilty. Proven guilty. I know, I know, I agree. Innocent with you. until you think he might have done it and we'll but bang I think him up that anyway. A lot of people have that mindset that I just stated, which is that, you know, we can't risk it. You know, it's an awful. They, they the need point? to. They need to make sure people understand. I, I think in order to serve on jury, you have to spend ten years in prison. That's the solution. I, You'd never lock anyone up again. I think they just need to do a little bit more research into the people that they're convicting. Like there should just be a checklist. Okay, so basically, <laughs> have you ever been found with something shoved up your butt in an <laughs> in an attempt to you know mule it into prison or or whatever? Yes. Okay. Was, Do you was, fuck bicycles and you know, or the pavement? Yeah, yeah. Like, there should just be a checklist of things where it's like, okay, hang on. 
Yes, this person does belong in jail, actually. Okay, like the your, your regular person doesn't have the you know capacity to shove something up there. How much anime has there. this person watched? Yeah, exactly. Like, There's certain things, like right? See, that stuff. would be the thing if I'm on the jury and some guy comes in and he's got a fucking body pillow. Motherfucker's going to jail. Yeah, That's absolutely. It. I think they need to take some of that stuff into account as well. But like Flax said, if the glove doesn't fit. You must acquit. Like it's, it, you, they can't just send everybody to jail just for safety, right? Like, because where, where will it ever end? You know, people, innocent people, will be spending a lot of time in jail, and we and don't you know, want you a lot know of people in jail. You know what the scary thing is? While they're deciding whether you're going to go to jail, you're in jail. I know. Yeah, that's really scary. Like yeah. even being in jail, they, they, and I was, uh, I was watching a show about it. The way it works is they have like a sort of holding jail before they send you to they either let you go or send you to the penitentiary or whatever this is in yeah. america i don't know i think it's the same over here but they chuck everyone in that weight in jail like that's one of the most dangerous ones yeah yeah because and the, and the guy who what might you're have, in there for as well right? you know if somebody's falsely accused you of being like a pedophile or something oh you're in big you don't trouble. want to be spending any fucking time in jail like yeah. if, if anyone finds out that that's what you're potentially in there for you're fucking dead. Like, and there are a lot of guys in prison that want to know what you did. And yeah, if you there's, say, a, there's like a oh, prison. Uh, nothing. They're like, he likes anime and he keeps talking about kids. <laughs> Let's jog him. Let's get the jog. Jog, jog, jog. It goes jog. down tonight, Larry. 11 o'clock. We're going to jog that motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. You're like, should I just do anything? There's a parking fine, please. Oh fuck me! I, I, no. I honestly really like all of this stuff. I like I love I love seeing crime. I love hearing about crimes. I love like watching this <laughs> stuff. And it's it's so kind of difficult as well. But also it does make you realize like because there's the classic problem nowadays of um, everyone expects all cases to have CSI level evidence. Well, that's you know? it. Like, and that's the other thing I was going to say about juries. You got to remember that most of these people, their only experience of justice and like the and, and the systems of law and stuff is literally watching the bill or like yeah. CSI Miami or whatever, which is, you know, it's, I, I'm sure like some of it might be kind of realistic, but it's so overly dramatized. It's great when someone robs a shop and they've got them on camera with a gun, you know, yeah, that's yeah. pretty cut and dry, right? I don't but, think but you the, even the, need a, a jury A lot of the DNA evidence, like I, I was, I was watching a thing that there was a documentary about it, about um, can we actually trust DNA evidence like as much as we do? And a lot of the tests are very badly carried out. The evidence is badly handled, but the result comes out as, yeah, he had DNA on him. But it's like, until you've been in jail for a few years and then they reopen the case, they're like, oh, actually, sorry, uh, that th we fucked up. It's like people put so much faith in it because on CSI, they're always right. Grissom is always right, right? Grissom, Grissom says, no, I found some Coca-Cola evidence on his sleeve. The only way it could have got there is if he bashed that guy to death with a can of Coke. They're like, bingo. Yeah. The, the Coca-Cola DNA, registered trademark, obviously... You know, deciding factor that the juries watch CSI and they think, yeah, hundred percent, he had that. Well, DNA yeah, on because it. they've got this wizard investigator who's never wrong and you know can, can fucking get all this stuff from outside of the box and just be like, well, what if? Let me float this one past you. What if Larry here had? What if I told you he had a drop of Coca Cola on his sleeve and then, blah, 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 blah. He's and then he's it like, again. all right, I did it, I did it, goddammit. I wanted that Coke real bad, real bad, man. Let and me then they it. just confess, exactly. Like, yeah, yes. they just break down crying. And, but in yeah. the UK, what I didn't realize is that it, it's mainly magistrates. And so, what a magistrate, get this, this is again from the, the, the Secret Barrister book, very interesting book, by the way. In the UK, you have the Crown Prosecution Service which is what decides if we're going to go to trial or not. So it's always the, the crown, like the queen, basically, versus whoever, you know, is accused. But most of these cases don't get handled in like a higher court. They're handled at the magistrate level. And that's like your local court. Magistrate's court, you go down there, you have your lawyer, and he instructs a barrister who defends you. And more often than not, the barrister has found this case file 10 minutes before the hearing, it's thrust into his hands. He has to read it. There's all kinds of shit missing because the CPS is, is fucking horribly underfunded and is a disaster. But sometimes he has to turn up and say, we don't have the evidence. So they have to go back and do it a new few weeks later, get all the witnesses ready and everything like that. The, the other problem is a lot of people who say, I'll come to court and help you, never do it again because it's such an awful system and they have to come up, they have to skip work, they can't go on holiday. If they're required in court, they have to be there legally. So it's like sometimes the court case drags on for months because they're waiting on this evidence, or they're waiting on this, or they've got to go and get that, and you have to be available for the court case at the drop of a hat. So most people that are 
involved in the justice system in any way, not in, not in a criminal way, but as a witness or something like that, never, never want to do it again because it was, it's, such, it's so horribly mishandled. And then worst of all, the deciding factor in the magistrate's court is not a jury, it's the fucking magistrate. And the guy gives an example of this court case. This guy, yeah, he was a bit of an arsehole, but he was like 17. And he's up there on the stand, he's acting very belligerently, the magistrates are pleading with him. If you can please come around, if you'll do the probation, we, won't, we don't want to impose a custodial sentence. And his mum is there pleading with him, and his lawyer and everything. Even the prosecution barrister is like, we are happy for him to do the community service, we want him to get better, we don't want to send him to jail. He breaks down in the dock, he's like, okay, I need help, and all the rest of it. Everybody's like tearing up in the courtroom. Magistrates go back to decide what's going to happen. And the, the judges, you know, the, the barrister is like, they're going to give you community service, all the rest of it, no problem. Magistrates come out after a 15-minute meeting and say, we're sending him to jail. <laughs> 25 like they, they just fucking decided. <laughs> like they, everybody in the court had settled on the idea this guy is not going to jail. Magistrates were the ones who proposed it, went back, something, some conversation happened, they come back out, fucking lock him up. I'm like, what? And here's the thing, the people that are magistrates are not lawyers. They have no legal experience. You just have to apply. Any of us could be a magistrate. All you have to do is demonstrate that you've done quite a lot of volunteer work in the last few years. Bingo, you're a magistrate. But it's that if simple. you're the guy that gets got cut off community service, does that count? So could like he have got community service off a magistrate, done a lot, and then come back and become a magistrate? <laughs> I don't think so, but that <laughs> would be great. Yeah, I've uh, done 15,000 hours of community service. That's all volunteer work, isn't it? Thanks. But yeah, that's it. Like My wife's... Um, her sort of step-uncle or, or, or half-uncle, however you, I don't know how you put it, he was a lawyer. He applied to be a magistrate and they turned him down because he hadn't done any volunteer work. They were like, you haven't done enough. Like, if you volunteer at fucking one of the charity shops or whatever. Pro pro bono. Yeah, no, not even pro bono, which is one pro of my favorite bono. terms. You, you could just, if you've done voluntary work oh, quite a bit in the last couple of years, bingo, you're probably going to make it as a magistrate. But if you have legal experience, they're probably going to go, nah. Like, that's it. These are the guys deciding your, your fucking future. It's just some yahoos who happen and to you know help out down at Sue Ryder. You know what's crazy, too? The knock-on effect of, of actually going to jail and stuff, like especially if you're wrongly convicted or whatever, your whole life is ruined. Like, it's impossible yeah. to, to travel. It's impossible to fucking get another job. It's impossible to be seen as, like, a, a, a normal person in the eyes of, like, you're people around you. So, yeah, that's yeah. it. You are convicted of something, and therefore everybody views you differently. And your your life is just never going to be the same again. So it's it's pretty fucking dangerous stuff, And really, what's your defense? You're going to say, I didn't do it. It was, I, yeah. I'm innocent. Everyone go, oh yeah, sure, innocent. I, I think honestly, like watching all these shows has made me, if anything, very scared to even be vaguely associated with any kind of crime or criminal action. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. well that's like, why you got to stop downloading torrents and stuff because <laughs> that's another thing you don't want to be in jail for. Like if they find out that you're in there because you've been you illegally downloading software on the internet... You're getting jugged for you're sure. Getting fucking jugging. You're getting get. You're gonna get relentlessly jugged. Like not even like one jugging a day. Like I'm talking, they'll jug you, and you'll be like, "Oh fuck, I can't believe I've just been jugged." I'm so glad that's over. And then boom, another jug <laughs> straight so away. Before we go, this is for Hollywood, you bastard. <laughs> the other holy, um, holy English, nice kind of friendly TV I've been watching on BBC lately is. Um, uh, who do you think you are? Do you, do you oh, I did. I watched a bit of that last night with Boy George. Did you see that? So, um, yeah. Well, I've watched the one with Lee Mack in it, who I like. Okay, yeah. And obviously, it's kind of a. It's always like a weird tearjerker, right? It's people find out about their ancestors who are long dead, right? Yeah. But yeah. they have they find out these things, and these things tend to be marriages and birth certificates and death certificates right and so it's like yeah of course it's like he had a kid and he died and then he died and then it's like well, yeah. he and his kid then died and then his kid then died and so as a result like it's like oh that's so sad oh it's so sad that my great 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 granddad died oh it's so sad that my great 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 granddad died and it's like yeah. they start tearing up for no good reason and it's like fucking hell it's like the, the how to make celebrities cry about stuff that they didn't know about until 10 or, minutes or ago. didn't even really care about it until no. there was a paycheck and a camera involved so i'm a bit cynical about it but i do like some of it so i liked i like i like the how it's like lee's looking for his great aunt who was once a so a seamstress in turkey he's come to <laughs> turkey to see if there's any records of her do you have any records of my great aunt? Oh, yes. Well, if you look in here, we've found in the records that your great aunt was actually a seamstress in Turkey. Oh, 
She died, though. This is a death certificate. Yeah, she died. Okay, I'm very sad about that. Boo-hoo. She was 95 like, years old. She, she lived a very full life. I'm still crying and I don't know why. It's, oh, I don't God. know. It's very much like... Um, I like it, right? And the I, boy I George wanna... one was pretty sad, though. His 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 grandmother was um, in Dublin at, at, in like 1910. Okay, and 1910 Dublin was it had like one of the biggest slums in the world. Like it, there a lot of unemployed, poor people, and uh, the NSPCC in in the day were like known as as child snatchers because right. basically they go around and because. They lived in these really small tenements, like eight people to a, a basically a bed sit sort of thing. So lots of people were outside all the time because nobody wanted to fucking be in, in there, right? So there's a lot of kids just running around in the streets and stuff like because because why not? You know, you, you might as well. Like if your whole neighborhood is outside, you might as well just be out there too. So his, 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 his grandmother um, was like basically picked up off the street just standing outside of her house at the age of six the nspcc just like rolled up and they're like what are you doing she's like um uh, i'm just outside and they're like come with us <laughs> they just like sent her off to this fucking um like industrial school is what they called them at Jeez. the time and that was it that the rest of her life was just living with like nuns who were nuns and yeah, she just like had this shit childhood as a result, sort of. But, thing. I mean, she, we really don't necessarily know that it was shit. You know, I, I suppose we we can have some pictures and ideas, but you know, we don't know whether these people were happy. No, or, or I mean, sad. she we never don't know anything about. She, she never spoke about her childhood, though, which is the giveaway. Anytime right. anyone asked her, she was like, oh, "I don't want to talk about it." So well, I think it was pretty bad. Well, fair enough. Fair, I, I don't mind. Unless I really it was like, just really so like fucking awesome that she just doesn't want to be seen as bragging. But. <laughs> I think I'll go with the other. Oh man! <laughs> the other side. The other side's more likely, I, I suppose. All right, all right. But uh, but the one I liked. I mean, I I like I like the ones that are more recent, right? That are actually like rather than the ones that go back ages. Because Danny Dyer did one where he right. went back and found out that he was distantly related through about I I think about twenty five generations to Hitler to oh. no <laughs> to, to Jesus like a, to like a thirteenth century that Are would have been such that a Hitler good bit was my great grandpappy but you know what we got to cut the cameras <laughs> he died oh <laughs> granddad <laughs> poor granddad how did he go <laughs> <laughs> Lee has travelled to Berlin you to find out. Killed place to stop the podcast <laughs> oh my god right, oh my god who, who do you think you are well <laughs> this week uh, we're gonna go thank you for joining us have a great uh, summer everybody <laughs> yeah have a good summer you bastards all right thanks everyone love to you all. love you bye, bye. bye.